Welcome to All Along the Wasatch, a public affairs program produced by Bonneville Salt Lake City. If you would like to submit a request to be on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. Now, here's the host of All Along the Wasatch, Mike Parsons. My guests today are with On Pitch Performing Arts in Layton. It's the only live theater in Layton, and their website is On Pitch Performing Arts. Dot com And I've got Executive Director Brandon Stauffer and uh, Development Director Danielle Bendinelli. Thank you both for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Excited to be here. Let's start at the very beginning. Uh, who started the On-Pitch Performing Arts Theater in Layton and why? Uh, we started OPA about seven years ago, and uh, we wanted to create a place for theater and arts education here in Layton. There's, there's been um, sort of a, a time period where there wasn't as much arts education available here in Layton, um, and so we wanted to fill that need, both myself and at that time, the, uh, my partner who I started with, her name was Charlene, both of us had grown up in theater and believed in the power of theater in our community. And so we really wanted to find a place for that here in Layton. Um, since then, we've grown numerous times into multiple new locations and theaters. And, and we just sort of keep pushing towards this mission that education in the arts is important and it helps our community be better and our citizens be better. And Danielle, uh, tell me about the theater you're currently in. What, was it uh, existing before? Was it built specifically for uh, uh, OPA? So the actual facility we are in um, was here. It was a former school of cosmetology, um, but we have two performing art spaces. Both of them are very intimate. We uh, sort of pride ourselves on being a different type of theater. It's not big band, huge jazz hands, but it's a lot of fun. It's very intimate. One theater is only uh, 100 seats. On our, then we have our creator stage is only about 65 seats. So we provide a unique experience for both the patron and the performer because you are literally sitting on stage and performing right in front of the person sitting down. <laughs> That's really cool. Maybe we could talk a little bit about how each of you came to OPA. Maybe, Brandon, start with you. What's your background and how did you end up becoming executive director there? Uh, I got my degree in theater when I went to school up at Utah State uh, many years ago and traveled around, worked in different areas in the country, did some tours, things like that. Uh, eventually ended up getting my master's degree at UNLV, and uh, I wanted to come back to Utah and be in the arts here because the community here values the arts more than any place I had been hmm. while I was out traveling and working, and so I really wanted to be back here. Uh, doing the arts here. So uh, myself and, again, Charlene at that time started OPA. And it's sort of, if if I'm 100% honest, it was never actually meant to be a community theater. We were just going to do, like, theater lessons and voice lessons, mm-hmm. things like that. And within a few months, we sort of blossomed into children's theater classes and, and community theater and, and all of the things that we've started doing now. So it just sort of was a Oh, I, I sometimes think about if I can pinpoint the day that this, this all started, and I don't know <laughs> that I could, and I'm not sure I want to. <laughs> <laughs> and Danielle, how about you? What's your background, and how did you end up there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my background is actually in broadcast journalism and marketing, and I had only served in the nonprofit realm um, on volunteer boards and, thing, and things like that, but it's always been um, very art-specific. Um, I do a lot with arts across the state of Utah, and I myself am not a theater person as far as being on stage and um, performing or anything, but I am definitely a um, 
patron of the arts and a fan of the arts. And so I believe in the magic of what Mm -hmm. young age, being a young age and learning the process of performing and all that and the beauty behind it. I believe that's important. So I was happy to hop on board and try to, you know, do some income generation (laughs) to keep that mission thriving. You're in charge of making sure the bills get paid. I noticed on the website that it says... Yeah, it's not necessarily bills, but (laughs) I want to make sure people know who we are and are willing to provide anything they can, and we will take anything and everything someone can provide. I noticed on the website your dream role is spotlight operator. That seems pretty attainable to me. Well, you would think, (laughs) but in a small, intimate space like this, we do not have spotlights in the same way. Um, I did do community theater way back in the day, and I was a lighting um, master electrician for my university, but uh, I have never wanted to be on stage. But all my coworkers here, that's their thats their thing. So I'm right. like, I would be happy to shine a spot on your talent. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, might, I myself spent most of high school, um, I, I built sets, I did lighting and sound. Um, I never wanted to be on stage, but it's such a fun environment um, to be around. Brandon, how does being a nonprofit theater affect uh, what you do and how you do it? That's a great question. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Everything is competitive. Hey, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I honestly think that um, being a nonprofit obviously opens doors for us that wouldn't be open if we were for profit. And, and I also think that being a nonprofit brings us a stronger staff and board because there's a mission to get behind that is different than if we were trying to make a, a bunch of money for, you know, the people who own the business or whatever. I, I think for me, it's so important because what we do is so community-based that we are a nonprofit, that we show that we're here for the betterment of our community, and it's not just about the money. Absolutely. I would say that, like, the nonprofit industry, we are literally for everybody being in that nonprofit theater realm. We've got so many people who have their regular day job and they don't want to be a performer for their career, but they want somewhere to go um, to keep that momentum because they enjoy doing it in college or they enjoy doing it in high school. And it's just for fun. Mm -hmm. And our volunteers, like that is the backbone of everything we do here. Um, We couldn't do it without them. And our volunteers are our performers as well as like ushers and everything like that. So it's a full on community based um, program that we have here. And that's separate from a, um, what would you call it? A uh, for-profit. A for-profit. Yeah. A for-profit. Yes, and that would be separate from what a for-profit theater is. Right. We just have to break even and have fun <laughs> right. in the process. That's the goal as a nonprofit. Uh, Brandon Danielle talked about how unique the theater is. I wonder because I was looking at some of the pictures of the the layout and it is very intimate. What challenges does that bring? But what opportunities does it bring too? Uh, I think that one of the uh, one of the best things about our spaces is how intimate they are. You experience a show completely different in our spaces than you would in a you know thousand seat auditorium style theater. So you get to experience the show up close and personal. Every little detail that the actor puts into it, or the set designer, or the costume designer, is going to be seen, and all of that matters. So I think it gives us the ability to actually delve a little deeper sometimes, whereas. Uh, on larger stages, you can hide behind, mm. you know, the 60 or 80 feet away from the audience. Right. And I, I think that that's really impressive. But I also, one of my favorite things is when we're working on our stage, one of the things we always talk about is um, in theater, it, you're not supposed to show your butts and elbows. Like that's <laughs> going back to high school. I remember my theater director always being like, I don't want to see your butt or your elbow. Well, and here we have to like retrain everybody that 
people are going to see your busts and elbows. <laughs> like that's like it's normal. People have those, and hmm. they're going to be portions of the audience. What's happening from behind you and right. see the different angles, and that's really cool. Right. I Do would say our challenges in that same realm is because it's such a a small space. We only have a hundred seats, and that's what we have. We literally have a hundred potential tickets we can sell every night. So once it's sold out, it is done. Right. Um, and we can't really just utilize adding more ticket costs or anything like that because that's not conducive with who our community is. So um, what it is, it is. And um, I think that's that's definitely a challenge as well as we'd love to bring in hundreds and hundreds of cast members for each show, but you can only fit so many people right. on our actual on our actual stage. Has that ever become an issue where you've got a performer just inches away from an audience member? Has anything weird ever happened? Oh, we have, yes, all I mean, the time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been, you know, your, your feet get in the way and you yeah. learn to, to shrink up a little bit. But it's also part of the charm of being in our space. Like yeah. you, you, once you do it, you walk in and you're like, oh, I'm literally sitting on the stage. Yeah. And there's no getting away from that. So once you're in the theater, you cannot leave because that entryway is most likely a bomb for the performers to come on. Walking right so. across the stage. Yep, pretty much. Brandon, talk about um, what production you have going on that right now and what's coming up. I noticed your calendar is scheduled all the way through January of next year. Uh, what's going on now and what's coming up soon? Uh, currently, we are running Cinderella, uh, Roger and, Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella. It's the Enchanted version, uh, and it runs through the end of February on our main stage. And then we open on the creator stage in early March. We open the Laramie Project. Uh, and one of the reasons we created that second space in our um, theater here was we wanted to provide a, a home, sort of a place where shows that sometimes aren't done as often here in Utah could be done and seen because there's value for in those shows. There's mm -hmm. amazing shows out there, but oftentimes aren't uh, big ticket sellers. And so the second space that we created allows us the ability to do some of those uh, less Utah-based shows. And so we're really excited to be bringing the Laramie Project in. And then after that, on our main stage, we have Peter and the Star Catcher. And as you said, we go on and on until January of 2024. So <laughs> We've already, We already did four shows in January. Yeah. Like, it's our kids' shows. So it's, it's nonstop. So I, looking through what you've got coming up, it, it is a lot of musicals. But there is, like the Laramie Project, a few that kind of stand out as being different. And you, you talked about that that's important. Um, you do some solo shows or some some one one off shows as well, right? Every once in a while, we have uh, we have solo one night only shows. Yes, um, different things that come through. Um, we fill our space with you know magicians and things like that sometimes. Uh, as far as just bringing people in, uh, but as far as our shows, normally our shows run for three to four weeks depending mm -hmm. on the show, um, and so that we can get as many audience members in as possible. We utilize those off nights for rentals so people can come in with oh. their one-off um, if need be. So if, if there's a, a company that needs a space, they can rent that from you, and that puts money in the in the, in the the tin. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Give us a call. Yep, yeah. yep. <laughs> We've got two different spaces you can look at and lots of classrooms. And, so. the, <laughs> and you, could, you can see it on the website, onpitchperformingarts.com. And by the way, uh, you had uh, the abbreviation that you use for that is OPA, and I'm Opa. not real familiar with OPA other than I know like at, uh, like at a belly dancing festival, if you're really enjoying yourself, you might yell OPA. T tell me what OPA means in your context. 
Uh, you know, it's really interesting. It came about because when we first started on Pitch Performing Arts, we got tired of typing it out every time we were sending ah. an email, so we abbreviated it to OPA. And now I I think it's become so synonymous with just what we do here and our mission that it we don't even think about it anymore. Right. Like, it just is who we are, and it's fun to say, and yeah. it's fun to watch how people perceive the word and what where they go with it because it means grandpa in, like, Japanese. There's a, there's a whole bunch of different meanings, and none of them were intended, but we're here for all of them. Well, my... But, like, most people don't even know OPA stands for anything. Like, oh, I didn't even realize, I just thought it was called the OPA Center. Uh, you know, but, like, no, there, it's an acronym, so... Um, now, it's, it's community theater, it's nonprofit. Do any of the actors get paid? Currently, our actors are all volunteer, so they're part of our volunteer um, brigade that helps keep the mission going. Mm-hmm. So they're volunteers just like anybody else who might volunteer to do set design or to be an usher or a ticket taker. Correct. Yeah. They still, it's still an audition process, but when you do a show at OPA, you are a full-on volunteer for rehearsals, performances, when we have set build days, um, everybody's welcome to join in on those. So you basically are building the show from yeah. the ground up um, when you're participating here. I would think that that would make the experience even better than just coming in and doing your one piece, that you're really involved with the whole thing. I think that we, it's part of our education process too, which sounds uh, sometimes weird when we talk about with our community theater uh, level performers, but we focus really hard on that on our education department is we want our the kids in those theater classes to really understand what goes into putting on a show so they will help with building the props or mm-hmm. painting the set, like all of those different things. I think it's important for everybody involved in the show to understand how big the team has to be in order to make the show happen. And I think once you do that on the, on the children's theater level and on the community theater level, you have a better appreciation for what you're involved in and, and what the outcome is because you've really helped build it. Like Danielle said, from yeah. the ground up. My guests today are from on pitch performing arts in Layton, also known as OPA and their website is on pitch performing talking to Brandon Stoffer, who's executive director and Danielle Bendinelli, who is development director. Danielle, what does somebody do if they want to audition for an upcoming production? I mean, just everything is on our social media, on our websites. You just sign up for your time slot and do your best. And most likely we are a community theater. So the more people we have, the better chance it gives us to double cast so we can get um, more performers into the space um, and as many people involved as possible. But pretty much follow our social media on Instagram or Facebook, just at On Pitch Performing Arts. And everything you need to know will be there posted gazillions of times. <laughs> All right. Brandon, you mentioned uh, early on your intention wasn't to do community theater, but to have classes. But you still do have education and classes. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that is really the, the, the meat of our mission is education. We believe in that fully. So we have an education department with a staff that uh, runs uh, different children's theater shows. We have dance classes. We have voice classes. Uh, we do some art classes. We have all these different things in the education realm. We also do, um, uh, uh, about two weeks ago, we brought in Laura Bell Bundy, who did adult workshops. Uh, she's a Broadway actress and came and did adult workshops for adults. And whatever we can find uh, to keep that mission going is important to us because, again, I think even as adults in the arts world and in the world in general, we should keep learning and keep trying to better ourselves. You've kind of touched on this a little bit, Brandon, but what do you what do you think a community theater brings to a community? What what does Layton now have that it wouldn't have if OPA wasn't there? 
Well, I mean, simply put, um, I'll start with this one first, which is some tax dollars. Um, I'm just being honest, <laughs> yeah. you know, like there for for cities around that that ever wonder about it, I would be I would sing it from the rooftops for them because when a person comes to a show, they they when they come to see a show, they are most likely going to eat food uh, nearby in the same city mm, or yeah. get gas, you know, the things that are going to bring money into the city. But besides that, like simple thing that is that sometimes big for cities, it brings something that that keeps your residents in your city, keeps them happy, keeps them involved, and makes them want to to make this their home for a longer term. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't have the arts, if you don't have things like this and programs like this, I think you find that most people are looking for a place that does, that they can live the, to experience these different things. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's so important on the community theater level. I think in Utah, we're very lucky to have so many really great community theaters, and we're proud to be a part of that sort of group of, of community theaters that are making Utah better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I saw on your website that you do rent out costumes, so that's something that's available as well. Tell, tell us how that works, Danielle. Oh, <laughs> well, let me ask Brandon. No, oh. I mean, um, we have, we ha- no, you're fine. We have a, um, we do have a costume shop manager, and if we've done a show, then most likely we have stacks and stacks of costumes for those shows, and um, we rent them out pretty often. So if uh, the next, uh, so let's say a theater is doing Wizard of Oz. We just did Wizard of Oz for kids. Most likely they can just call us up and say, hey, I need everything you have that's related to Wizard of Oz. Huh. And it's a small fee, and they come pick it up with a return date, and that's, that's that. Just bring them back clean. Yeah. Or we can do one-offs if you just need a Halloween costume or a very tacky prom dress from the 80s for some <laughs> reason. Come check us out. That's a great sales pitch. Um so we talked a little bit about the volunteer opportunities, Brandon, but what are maybe some volunteer opportunities that people wouldn't immediately think of? Oh, well, um, <laughs> let me count the ways. <laughs> um, you know, we are, because we have grown so rapidly and we're in, you know, a pretty decent sized facility, we are always looking for volunteers. Like Danielle mentioned, some of the easy ones are ushers. Some of the things you think about ushering, building sets, uh, helping on costumes, helping with props, things like that. But we're always looking for people that want to get involved, you know, with the building management, stuff like mm. operations, things like that. We have we have really great board members who run board committees that have they have an education committee that helps sort of guide our education department. We have an operations committee, a fundraising committee, you know, all those different things. We also have a governance committee that helps with HR and um, board management, you know, all those different things that people don't really think about, but you need those people. So we're always encouraging people, even if they're like, oh, my strength is in arts. I can't build or I can't paint. That's that's okay. There's plenty of space for you here that we can find a spot that you love and that really supports the mission. And really anything that a normal for-profit business would need is also needed at a nonprofit. You need somebody to do your books. You need somebody to, to empty the garbage cans. There's there's lots of ways to volunteer, I'm sure. And if somebody wants to volunteer, that's on the website as well, onpitchperformingarts.com. Um, what kinds of things are you looking for people to donate? Do you need in-kind donations? Absolutely. We are looking for, again, we'll take anything and everything. And we do have multiple events throughout the year that we do sort of basket giveaways. We have a gala that happens with silent auction items. So in-kind product is always great. We'll take gift cards. We'll spread them out throughout the year. But everything that comes in goes back to that children's education department. So right now we have a gala happening in April. So we're in the process of collecting 
um, those in-kind donations for those silent auction baskets. But again, we always try to do giveaways. We do volunteer giveaways for people who put in so many, so much time and so many hours um, each quarter and stuff like that. So we'll happily take anything um, that we can store in a closet for a couple months and <laughs> refurbish it out to to everybody who has been graciously helping us throughout the year. Anything of value. And of course, we'll take money. We're all oh, of course. Sponsors, yes. right? You know? Money's the best thing to donate because you can turn that into just anything you need. Um, tell me, Danielle, right. a little bit more about the gala that's coming up and, and how people can attend. Yeah, so we're just in that planning process right now, but it is going to be April 19th um, at the Davis Conference Center. Uh, this year we're doing something a little bit different because we will have our formal little gala area um, announcements, gratitude thinking of sponsors and stuff like that, and then we're also having a dance, so kind of an adult promy um, style event open to anybody and everybody. In the past, it's been an invite-only thing, but this year, we just want to have some have some fun and let everybody put on their fancy clothes and their shoes and come out and dance. And again, it's going to be April 19th at the Davis Conference Center. There will be silent auction. We might do pay for karaoke, pay for somebody not to sing karaoke. <laughs> like we're still working out all those all those little logistics, but it is one of our biggest fundraisers. Um, slash sponsor thank you events of the year. And if you don't have the right dress, you can rent one from the theater. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It is Utah, so you can come in jeans. It doesn't matter. Like, doesn't matter. We have seen it all. It doesn't matter yes, what event you go to. to it yes. doesn't matter what event you go to in Utah. There will be someone wearing jeans. Absolutely. There every will time. be. Yep. You want to go to the symphonies or the <laughs> opera, there's going to be people in jeans. And we are the same way here. But hey, if, if there's an excuse to get dressed up and go to the theater, you are more than welcome, and we will embrace that just in <laughs> their little kick. So. All right, so I am going to ask this, and I hope I, I hope you have a good story. I, live theater, one of the things that I think is exciting about it is you never know what's going to happen. Somebody's going to forget their lines. A prop's not going to work just right. An audience member does something weird. Do you have a, a story or two about weird things that have happened like that? Uh, when I, I, I'm not normally on stage, it's not my jam either. I'm much <laughs> okay. more of a backstage guy, but I played a few roles on stage. And one of them I played was, uh, the name of the character was man in chair from drowsy chaperone. And I spent the whole show on stage. Like I never left. I like during intermission, I sat on stage. Hmm. Like it was just like, I was on stage the whole time. And at one point, somebody's cell phone in the audience went off and, like every again in our space when your cell phone goes off everybody knows and right. everybody knows whose it was so like in the middle of the show i just sort of stopped my line i walked into the audience <laughs> and i said can i see that and i took it and i put it in my desk drawer on the set and it rang a couple times throughout the show so <laughs> that was that was a moment that was a really fun moment for me because it, it was sort of like patty lapone on broadway i felt yeah. like i was like aha get your cell phone exactly <laughs> so that was a good moment for me but Danielle. Oh, Danielle, I mean, I, I don't know if I've seen anything, because um, that's also part of the charm of community theater. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to go out at some point or this and that. But I will say, when it comes to on-pitch performing arts and truly living up to that community theater standard, my first when I first started working here, they do a summer production every year. That's a large family group. Um, and we'll do it either at the Ed Kinley Amphitheater or maybe the Layton High School. And my first year here, they did Beauty and the Beast. So it's an outdoor amphitheater. And it rained, oh. like it it rained, <laughs> and one night of raining, it was the entire cast coming over and moving spice set peaks over to the Layton High School so they could perform there. And then the very last night, it was just an absolute rainstorm. So they were unfortunately unable to put on costumes, things like that. But this cast 
and the crew and the audience members sat with umbrellas and they put on a a show in a um, sort of a performance style where they just went through the lines, did the songs in <laughs> character, but without the set pieces and the costumes. And to me, that is the heart of what community theater and OPA is, is everybody rallying around together to just the show must go on. Yes. And <laughs> that is true. So watching things like that, you can't, you can't, you can't compare that to anything. Like, yes, life theater is great. Little things are going to happen, but it's how the cast and the crew pick up those pieces and rally around to, to just make the show happen and the patrons enjoy it. Yeah, I definitely think that's part of the fun. Is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you want to talk about before we wrap up? Um, I think one of the things that we do, we have definitely, we, you know, specialize in the children's performance education and community theater, but we also have work festivals. Um, and so that is an application process where playwrights apply with either a short story, um, a full-length show, maybe even a musical. Um, there's a selection committee, a couple are chosen, and we produce those shows here at OPA from start to finish. Um, so it's the first time these playwrights get to see their work, you know, performed on stage. And that's going to be in April of this year is our New Works Festival. And we Very have two cool. shows that will be seen for the first time, never before seen productions. Very cool. Brandon Stoffer, who is executive director, and Danielle Bendinelli, who is development director on Pitch Performing Arts in Layton. And the website for OPA, which is the abbreviation, is onpitchperformingarts.com. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to All Along the Wasatch with Mike Parsons. If you would like to submit a request to be a guest on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. That's mparsons at ksl.com.